0: And more. Superman homepage.com. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leave tall buildings in a single bound. This amazing space. the man of steel.
1: Who are you? A friend. Look. Up
2: in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! Superman! 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 This looks like a job for Superman! Superman Forever Radio, the weekly podcast devoted to the Man of Steel. Welcome to Superman Forever Radio, episode 43... I am your mild-mannered host, J. David Weeder, and this week we will be taking a trip back to the mid-90s to cover a toy line for the first time on this show. Uh, I don't know if there's a right way or a wrong way to cover a toy line, but I'm going to tell you all about the first dedicated toy line to Superman, Kenner's short-lived Superman the Man of Steel line. This is a line that I'm actually very excited to share with everyone because it was the first line to really showcase all things Superman. Now, to set up this line, we look first at Kenner themselves, which is a company that began in the mid in the late 40s and was really famous for Play-Doh and getting the rights to make toys for Star Wars when Mego passed. Star Wars was actually very informative for what we're looking at, uh, or any action figure line, really, because it was the first full line of toys licensed from a movie. It also began the roughly 3 and 3, 4 scale action figures as we know them as compared to dolls, which I feel Mego is. Now, to kind of explain my difference here, between a doll and an action figure, to me, if it has cloth clothes, um, is a scale about 12 inches, roughly, um, has, you know, kind of the the big articulation, that's a doll. An action figure usually has the toys sculpted in, Um, they're usually slightly smaller, although you can have larger action figures. But I think the cloth clothing is kind of the tipping point. Now, in the early 80s, Kenner got the rights to do a line of figures based on DC Comics characters. And they made the, mo- the very awesome Superpowers line, which was just, uh, well, very vari- 80 variations of awesome. Just excellent line. But after that line died out, the rights to DC ended up with a company called Toy Biz. And this was spearheaded by the release of the Tim Burton Batman movie, uh, which had a small line of figures. There were three figures in that line of Batman. It was Batman himself with the neat belt grapple action. We had a Joker... And a Bob the Goon. Now, here's a quick bonus action figure top because the Toy Biz company produced DC Comics Superhero, which was a line that was abysmal, really, uh, with very, very few exceptions. Because what they tried to do is use watered down superpower sculpts. But they kind of came off less of an homage and more like a, a knockoff you would find in a dollar store, where superpowers had pins at the knee joints. Uh, in order to you know have some articulation there, they they were colored in within superpowers. They were plastic, they were flexible pins, but they were discrete. They were kind of within the figures you know confines. The toy biz figures they had the stainless steel metal pins at the joints, so it was really obvious. They didn't bother. Now, granted, I can see where maybe they were going for more of a solid kind of connector piece. But it just looked horrible. And I mean, the main thing is, Superpowers made all of their mechanisms as internal as possible, which was part of the mandate from DC. So these figures represented the characters as ideally and accurately as they possibly could. Now, Superpowers was just really successful at this, um, kind of integrating that, making it a seamless figure for you. But DC Comics Superheroes gave characters levers and external mechanisms that half the time either didn't work or just worked horribly. Uh, There were actually only two Superman-related characters in the DC Comics mix. We had Superman and Lex Luthor. I will say that the Superman figure from this line was actually kind of cool. It's awkwardly sculpted with this very square chest, but his power action involved a magnet in his chest and a life-size kryptonite ring accessory, and the ring had its own magnet inside of it, So when you brought the magnets near each other, they repelled each other and made Superman shake and then fall down. Which is admittedly not bad. It's actually really creative. Now the Luthor figure, however, came in this look inspired by his appearance by the Ruby Spear Superman. So he has this purple suit jacket, and his action was supposed to be to raise his fist when a lever was pulled on the back. Which would emulate him bringing his kryptonite ring up. Instead, he basically hit himself in the head. And that was a really sad time when you'd go to the toy aisle and there was just filled, filled with lonely, unsought Luthor figures for a year. And while I'm on this topic, because I don't know when this is going to come up again, here's a collector tip if you're out looking for these figures. To tell the difference between a Superpower Superman figure and a Toy Biz Superman figure, the square chest is a big indicator. Um, his collar line comes to more of a point, almost awkwardly. And his boots are nearly square on top. And then, of course, I mentioned the metal pins in the knee. They're going to be stainless steel. And there are no holes on the sole of the boots like the superpowers figures had. Because that they put that in to interact with the vehicles, play sets, so on and so forth. So that's a little bonus for you if you're out tracking. Because a lot of places that you will find these older action figures either don't know the difference or are trying to scam you. So, there's that. Be on the lookout. But the DC Comics superheroes line as a whole was apparently disappointing for DC Comics as it was for fans because Kenner was awarded the right to make Batman toys. And they kind of skirted the movie uh, movie figures issue by creating the movie-influenced Dark Knight collection which really started this trend that Kenner would be known for and that's Variations. Because Kenner's Batman lines, they included about 900 versions of the lead characters throughout multiple lines that Kenner produced. Because they also made figures based on Batman Returns, which in all reality was the Dark Knight collection with new gadgets and a coupe that we're actually going to be talking about a little bit later. Uh, they had a couple of villain figures, including the first figure based on the Tim Drake Robin, which I spent half of the summer of 92 tracking down. One of my first real collector experiences of here's the object that I'm looking for. Now go all Indiana Jones and track it down. Just check all the stores and I'd make rounds. And finally it was held for me at Toys R Us because they had known me by then. <laughs> so I went in that day and was like, Hey, we got Robin in and they also had the Catwoman held for me. So that was a uh, kind of a neat collector experience for me, but off the topic here. Sorry about that. Kenner would milk this Batman thing for years um, what they basically would do, if you're not aware, is they'd create recolored costumes for the exact same Batman sculpt, depending on the line. Uh, so they'd throw some new accessories in there. And it would always be based on a theme of some kind, like Lava Fury Batman. I don't know why we had that figure, but we had Deep Dive Batman. Quick Change Bruce Wayne, which is, was actually a variation. So, And Laser Batman, which was actually a variation, because they actually put like a waffle pattern on the suit. But basically, the exact same figure... Very simple figure, but you got all kinds of gadgets and recolors. And we had multiple Batman series produced from about 1990 to 95, which is the point where we're going to come into here and, and beyond, including the Dark Knight collection that I mentioned, Batman Returns, Batman the Animated Series, which for the most part used other sculpts. If you look closely at the initial Robin figure that they released, it's the exact same as the Tim, uh, Batman Returns Tim Drake Robin with the re sculpted head. Um, but we had the the uh, Batman the animated series Legends of Batman, which was kind of cool. This one was innovative that it actually made figures based on the elseworld stories, and that was a line that kind of bucked the trend a little bit because these were all new sculpts um completely off mold really. So we didn't have the pseudo Michael Keaton version or the or the you know Kevin Conroy animated series version these that was actually a very cool line, so if we get a chance to look that up a little bit later. Legends of Batman. Not to be confused with the follow-up line, Legends of the Dark Knight, which is a whole other topic. But they had also produced the figure line from Batman Forever, which did somewhat continue the trend with some really big innovations. So, Kenner was starting starting to get bold with what they were doing. Um, and I've, I'm, I'm actually a Kenner fan. I mean, we had the Star Wars line through them, Super Powers line. They made really solid figures. Um Really good on the detail, especially in their in their playsets. They were thought through. Very good at taking licensed properties. Um, as we mentioned with Star Wars, Kenner in 95, after the Batman Forever, they actually resurrected the dormant Star Wars line. And it was actually the Star Wars line that I was looking for when I discovered the Superman, the Man of Steel figures on pegs at Walmart. And they were a complete surprise to me because they had managed to either not get covered by Wizard Magazine... Or be in an issue that I didn't see, which was rare at this time, because I swore by Wizard. Uh, But the figures just kind of appeared in the late fall, early winter of 1995. Now, as such, I haven't found any definitive history of the line's development. No prototypes, no details. But I don't think I'm way off when I put some conjecture in here that Kenner saw the gold-plated diapers that the Batman lines were buying, because these things were selling like hotcakes. Uh, but they saw that and decided to cash in on another high-profile character who, at the time, was in the early stages of de- development hell uh, for a movie that would go on for almost another decade. But at this time, Tim Burton had his hand in the Superman pool a uh, little bit. Uh, they were DC, or Warner Brothers was really pushing for a new Superman movie, and maybe Kenner thought, let's get a jump on the character ahead of the movie. Uh, That they thought was going to release in the next couple of years. Because when you think about it, Superman Lives, the the Tim Burton script, or the Tim Burton film with Nicolas Cage, that was supposed to come out in 1998. Uh, But while the bulk of the Batman line of figures were really reliant on that standard figure with very little or no internal mechanisms and limited articulation of the neck, shoulders, and and pelvis, so the legs moved um, at the hip... The arms moved at the shoulder, head turned back and forth, that's it, the five points. Um, with the Man of Steel line, Kenner started to put a little bit more uh, of the superpowers model back into play. Not compl- not full on, but the, many of the characters that we're going to be looking at, are they do have internal devices to produce action features. And the figures came in blister packs with a big S-shield taking up the top half of the card, which I liked because it's not bearing the lead and I like the S-shield. And in the middle, there's this red cloud-like streak that fades to yellow at the bottom. And unlike a lot of action figures of the time, there wasn't original art on the actual packaging. Uh, But the figure bubbles themselves have this cardboard insert along the bottom with the line's title, Superman Man of Steel, and the figure's identity, kind of their power action. And the original art was handled by inserted trading cards, which I thought was a brilliant idea. Uh, These are fully painted by the great Joe Jusco, so it's hard to get mad at that. So let's take a look at the line as a whole, figure by figure, vehicle by vehicle, piece by piece
0: to
1: stop the evil doomsday you need a hero who's more than a man he's been called the greatest the strongest the first among heroes high voltage villain conduit is powered by kryptonite but with krypton cannon blasting laser superman powers him down conduit'll learn don't mess with the s it's the dreaded doomsday the most fearsome force in the universe even doomsday'll learn you don't mess with the s superman figures each sold separately blocks not included
2: So, kicking off the line here with the basic figures. And by basic, I say that because we're going to have deluxe, multipack, so on and so forth. These are your standard action figures. First off, we have Power Flight Superman. Which, according to to the Raving Toy Maniac, came five to a case. So, this was the, the most predominantly shipped figure in the line. Which makes sense because it is the standard Superman. Or standard for the time. Now, the thing that you have to realize about this line is a lot of it, almost all of it, was heavily influenced by the death of Superman storyline in one way, shape, or form, and they were using the current look of the character at the time, which had the long hair. So this is Superman in his standard blue, red, and yellow costume with the longer hair. He does have the trading card here, a beautiful piece of Superman kind of flying, breaking chains, and... It reads: The legendary Man of Steel possesses powers and abilities far beyond those of ordinary mortals. His courage and high ideals have made him the world's greatest champion for truth, justice, and the good of all mankind. Superman's Kryptonian body acts as a living solar battery that absorbs the sun's energy to give him superhuman powers that include tremendous strength and speed, the ability to fly through force of will, X-ray vision to see clearly through solid objects, and heat vision to burn through objects. Now the figure itself has that standard articulation I was talking about. The arms, the head, with a caveat that I'm going to mention in a moment, the legs. Um, this is actually one of the first Superman figures I remember having, not a cloth cape, because Superpowers had a cloth cape that, by virtue of a C-shaped ring, would clip on the character's neck. This one is a PVC cape, so it actually fits on. It sits on his shoulders correctly, where it should join up, which is good. Makes me happy. And then two pins in the back attach to kind of solidify that. And this figure, this, it just doesn't feel quite as muscular as it should, but it's not unimpressive. I always think his face is a little too lumpy and a little too Nicholas Cage, if you want to know the honest truth. Um, the long hair, I've, I've, I like Superman with long hair, so I was glad to see that. It was current with the time. But if you're going to do a Superman Doomsday line, it's made, this one was maybe a little, a few years too late. This one actually has the internal mechanisms, um, which... ...have some varying degrees of success. Superman's arms are spring-loaded. So they're kind of at the prone position. The left one is bent. The f- right one is stretched out, both in fists um, at the end. And if you just give a slight click here... ...the arms pop straight up. His head is supposed to and kind of does pivot back. I say that with, a, with the caveat that I was mentioning with the joints... Instead of turning, you can't turn the he- character's head left and right, it actually pivots forward and backward based on the spring, but the pivot action, it's not even Superman looking up. So you can't even put him in a decent flying position. I wish we had knee joints here, um, because that could have you could have done a little bit more with this figure, and he came with this unnecessary chain uh, accessory, which is odd because the chains have the Superman symbol emblazoned on them. Because I guess Superman carries chains around just in case he has to break them for public appearances. But basic standard Superman figure, and I think a good figure overall. A very good figure. Um, Next up comes Laser Superman, which according to the article came three to a case. Laser Superman is Superman in the black Matrix suit that he appeared in right after the death. So you have this black bodysuit, silver wrist Wrist guards, silver tips on the boots, a uh, silver symbol, and this one actually has, unlike the, the DC Universe classics, it actually does have the belt around the leg. I don't know what the proper name is. Laser Superman came with another card, which shows him crouching with the big gun, just like the accessory he comes with. Um, getting ready to pop a cap, I guess, because we like Superman shooting missiles. And it reads, When Superman is left without his superpowers and open to attack, he dons his black recovery suit, The suit was specially designed for natives of Krypton, Superman's home planet, to help them live longer. While the recovery suit provides protection until Superman's abilities return, it does not restore his powers or his ability to fly. Superman Superman must rely on other devices, such as his blasting laser, and yes, I'm using quotation marks, to combat villains while in this mortal state. So yes, this comes with a big gun. Which is fitting for the character. It's actually not bad. We do get the five points of articulation, but you can turn the character's head left and right, which helps because he kind of has to hold the gun at the side. Now, from a display uh, standpoint, because most of the things I have are for display, They I want them to stand or sit or whatever on the shelf, this character has been my problem child. Uh, because his legs aren't strictly up and down. Um, to kind of take the gun out here. Okay, I talk about this. He is at this contrapposto for lack of a better term angle um now one leg is bent slightly more so he has a bit of a lean which kind of fits him with with him shooting the gun his left arm is kind of straight um, but his arm is pivoted to hold on to the side handle here of the gun that you can't see that i'm pointing at and then le- right arm is bent even more so he is literally sculpted really almost for display i don't When I think about this for play factor from a kid's standpoint, this isn't the most exciting figure until you get to the big gun, which has these clear, plastic, uh, pinkish-red missiles that obviously the gun will fire. Uh, The trick is you have two missiles here, two slots. Only one actually fires... Oh, I just shot it across the room. There we go. And it actually does have some impressive range and force. Um, But I guess that's for quick reload because I just shot one. And let me pull the other one out and I just shot my own monitor. Fantastic. Um, not a bad figure. I mean, I was really happy to see this one in 1995 because I liked the black look. Um, not as a permanent look, but I thought it was a cool look for him. And it's a natural variation on Superman uh, because it does come from the comics. It does come from the storyline. Uh, this was one that I snatched up. Also, the n- not the next one, but the one after this one. Next up, we have the very first ever action figure of Steel, um, which came three to a case much like Laser Superman. Steel is actually quite impressive. It comes back to the internal mechanism. Um, We have a beautiful image of him swinging his hammer. Uh, Steel, a.k.a. John Henry Irons, it reads, Construction worker John Henry Irons' life was once saved by Superman when he fell from a skyscraper high above the city streets. As Superman departed, he told Irons to make his life count for something. Later, Irons constructed his fantastic suit of armor, complete with advanced weaponry and flight boots, and pledged to help combat crime in the cities. He wields his enormous steel hammer with tremendous force and can fire rivet-like bolts from his gauntlet. Proud and a noble a proud and noble man, sorry. He possesses the spirit that truly befits a man of steel. This is an excellent figure. <clears throat> now, later rendition like the Mattel DC Universe Classics line would have a lot more detail than this. But Steel does return to the internal mechanism class of, fig- of characters, um, and quite successfully so. Um, he, I mean, I love the bulk on the boots. I mean, it looks just like Steel. He, he, once again, like soup like the Power Flight Superman, has a PVC cape that wraps around correctly at the collar line, two pins to hold it in in the back. Now, out of course, Steel swings a hammer. Um, comes with a big hammer accessory. Now, when he has the hammer in hand, he is. Darn near perfect for this character uh without the hammer though say I mean if you're looking at a kid and i'm trying to keep that in mind that this wasn't a this wasn't a time when toy lines were designed for char- for adults we didn't have d c direct yet we would just not yet um so the the i mean the the goal was to sell this to kids for playability, so pieces would get lost I'm assuming since the pieces got lost when I was a kid, I know a lot of people lose pieces. So Kid loses this hammer, Steel's going to be in an awkward position, because his left arm is pivoted up, kind of like the Laser Superman to support the hammer. And that's where his gauntlet is, which I think is maybe a big misstep in the figure. Which, I know I just said I loved it, I do, I think it's gorgeous, with the hammer. Remove the hammer, his gauntlet that fires those rivets we mentioned, it's in a support position. You can't outstretch it so he can be in quote-unquote firing position. Um, His left arm it actually has an, an elbow joint, and there is that colored pin, the blue plastic colored pin, which is not galvanized metal that you can see clearly. So, Kendra did a good job on that, and it actually does have that... It's a very loose joint, for a very good reason, because when you squeeze the character's legs, he pivots at the waist, so he's swinging the hammer. And this allows the hammer to leave that support of the of the left arm and swing out. And I think if... I have not tried this before. Yes you can actually put just the the tip of the hammer in which is it doesn't have necessarily the grip itself um... where the sculpting gets a little bit wider to kind of put that more solidly in so you can actually have him throw the hammer now when i get that in there correctly and kind of rest the hammer on the other one so it kind of supports it he does have a really awesome swing uh... the one problem with that is the cape will often get in the way so Try to get it out of the way and boom, boom, Steel just told you to sit down. Okay, that wasn't awkward at all. Next up is another big first, and the one that I was probably most excited about for this series, and that is Superboy, as in Connor Kent, well, before he was Connor Kent. Um, an excellent figure that doesn't have the internal mechanisms, kind of like Laser Superman. Um, he has one big flaw. I mean, he looks great. The sculpt is fantastic. They left off the sunglasses, so you get kind of a gen- uh, general look. Um, he is in his initial costume, which has the yellow band around his leg, a uh, leather jacket. Um, but they, he ha- the big flaw is he has this, I don't even know what you would call it, square jutting out of his left arm, which is to support his power action, which I'm going to talk about in a moment. But let's take a look at this trading card. Uh, shows Steel firing these metallic objects, which he comes with two accessories that look similar, at the, at the viewer. Very gorgeous look. Um, and it reads, The superpowered teenager escaped from the ultra-secretive Cadmus Project and may or may not be a clone of the real Superman. Cocky, independent, and with an in-your-face attitude, Superboy backs down from no villain or authority figure. And on the surface, Superboy's powers seem to mimic Superman's speed, strength, the ability to fly but his main source of power is tactile telekinetic energy, which is not quite right, But, and he can make things move with his mind simply by touching them. He uses his mind power to test LexCorp's prototype capture claw and taser weapons. The only person this high-spirited teen looks up to is Superman, the true man of steel to whom he has pledged his loyalty. So let's talk about these tactile taser. These are just chunks of plastic, um spring-loaded down the middle. So, I mean, there are two holes on either side, spring-loaded down the middle, and you can see two notches. Now, the the LexCorp logo that you see in, say, the, the back of the packaging or in the solicits shows it looking like a sticker. It's actually just sculpted in. But you were to take one of these to the left hand, slide it over, and then twist it so that odd square notch locks in place, which... It really doesn't. Uh, but whenever you're ready to fire, one good twist on that, and this thing is supposed to fly across the room. The power action is kind of a dud. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but this and Laser Superman, the Superboy, were the first two that I got because, hey, it's Superboy, and it's Superman in the black costume. And beyond that notch, taking away the, the Goonie power action, was which is actually external, thankfully, from the figure, this is an excellent, excellent figure. One of the best looking of the line. Um, It does perfectly capture Superboy from the time in the comics. Once again, five points of articulation. Uh, Unlike Steel, he doesn't have anything to throw. And next comes the one villain of the first series. And it's a villain that I think is kind of inspired, if not kind of badly timed. Um, We heard it mentioned in that clip. It's Conduit, which is, once again, another great sculpt for this scale. He comes with his, his coils here. And he has this wicked cool helmet that's removable, which I was always attracted to removable gear, especially helmets. And to kind of read the card, which shows Conduit without his helmet shooting bolts through his through his coils here. A high school a high school rivalled Clark Kent, who always finished second. Kenny Braverman grew to be obsessively jealous of Clark. Affected by kryptonite, Braverman's body began to change, gaining special powers. Raverman took on the persona of Conduit and acted as a hired gun for the CIA until he was betrayed and went out on his own. Conduit is able to fly and launch kryptonite explosives from his wrist blasters. His body grows deadly kryptonite radiation, oozing chemicals that he uses to ensnare victims. Conduit has vowed to destroy Clark Kent and anyone close to him. It's no coincidence that Superman appears so quickly whenever Clark is attacked. And this figure, as I mentioned, kind of going back to it, it does have the five points with kind of an extra bit. Um, it's got great shoulder pad, shoulder. Well, I guess they're shoulder pads, but they're metal. I don't know if that's a pad by my definition. Um, the facial sculpt when you take off really does look excellent. Um, I mean, just a great figure. I'm in, I'm impressed that they use this. I prefer to display him with his helmet on just because I think that's cool. Conduit's big thing is, as I mentioned, he comes with the cables. Um, one of them on his left arm you would put this gauntlet on here and it would just have these stationary cables that kind of attach to each other look cool but they, they attach to each other uh, they're kind of there for ensnaring the right arm is where the action is this is what uh, kind of what steel should have had uh, something similar maybe something to shoot off but the, the left the right arm pardon me let me get my right and left straightened out spins so you have these cables once again another gauntlet that you put on there now these aren't don't have the little hooks to attach but it spins. Kind of uh, kind of innovative. So kind of shows some sort of energy. Um, it's very reminiscent of, of another Kenner line, which is the real Ghostbusters, in which the proton packs um, would have the energy already coming out of them, the proton energy, but you would spin the handle, because the character actually held it um, like a gauntlet, like this, and it would create a very great effect. This was a very cool-looking effect. Um, and I can see where a lot of kids would dig it, but... They weren't familiar with Conduit. Conduit was, at that time, kind of a newer villain. And, well, not even kind of. He was a newer villain who hadn't had a lot of exposure outside of the comics. And kids, not all kids read comics. So, I think some of it, it just looked a little too busy for kids. They weren't familiar with it. They started out with a really, really neat villain choice, in my opinion. Just not one that was appropriate for the first series. Um, Superboy came three to a case, but I might mention conduit came two to a case, but would often just kind of sit there kind of, and it, maybe it's just an attraction to villainous characters or lack of attraction to villainous characters, which isn't unfamiliar. So that is the first series of figures. Now, between the first and second waves, uh, Kenner released a a pair of two packs, which is kind of weird to say, uh, well, into stores they, they release two. There's a bit of a caveat to that. Let me get to that in a moment. Now with the two packs, I only have one of these. So I can only really go hands on with one of them. But the first one that I, that I, that I will talk about is Superman vs. Doomsday. Which is technically Hunter Prey Superman versus Doomsday. Now this is once again a logical version of Superman as far as a variation. He's in the suit from Hunter Prey, which is created by Motherbox. So he has this Wicked cool arm sleeve that's gold. Um, boots are a little bit more stylized. He's got pouches everywhere and kind of a cowl. An open-headed cowl. And then, of course, Doomsday is Doomsday. And they have him uh, sort of as he would appear towards the end of the Dooms the the death scenario. Now, these two figures actually have, now, on top of the five, normal. They, they actually turn at the waist as well. So it's kind of cool. Uh, the Superman figure has just a horrid horrid facial sculpt. I do want to point that out. It's just horrible. The rest of him is cool, if the if not for the problem, that he's in this sort of prone position as if he's running at Doomsday, which I thought when I took it out of the package, this is going to be a problem. This is going to be one of those things in my collection that falls down and brings everything else down with it. Hence, I have to do a patrol of my collection to see what's fallen down. Um, but really, kind of the the costume itself is kind of cool if, if you overlook the facial sculpt. And with the cowl, it actually looks like he is a short-haired Superman, when in fact he had long hair at the time. Um, now, instead of trading cards, these actually came with comic books. Um, well, they're short comic books; they're a few pages long. This one came with a Doomsday uh, comic book. Kind of looks like it's scenes from scenes from kind of looks like it scenes from uh, Hunter Prey itself, the miniseries. I'm not going to go too far into that, other than it's Superman and Doomsday fighting. It actually looks like this may be original. If I, I may stand corrected. I have not gotten confirmation if these are reprints or originals. I know with the DC Super Heroes line that Mattel did that predated the, uh, the DC Universe Classics, which with the DC Super Heroes line, they would alternate waves. It would be Superman characters one way, Batman characters the other, back and forth, until uh, Mattel actually got the full license, and that's when we got DC Universe Classics. Uh, but the comic on the back actually has the fact file. On this hunter-prey Superman figure, kind of explains his look. Uh, Noting the special headgear protects Superman from Doomsday's deadliest blows. The costume's pockets contain weapons and tools unknown even to Superman. Only Motherbox knows the full power of the hunter-prey suit. Well, that doesn't do Superman a whole lot of good now, does it? Uh, The suit's booster units enhance Superman's incredible strength. Motherbox is a living mini-computer that heals wounds and can instantly teleport Superman to any part of the universe... When Superman's worst enemy appears, Mother Box transforms him into hunter-prey Superman. Plates and straps of indestructible armor protect Superman from lethal blows. And then we have Doomsday. The figure itself, I mean, as I mentioned, he's got the, the, the green trunks, uh, kind of the bands, the boots. Uh, but otherwise, he's kind of hulked out. It's actually a good-looking figure. To be honest with you, I like the figure as far as the sculpt. Uh, they did a lot of really good work with his bones. There's a lot of detail in that when it wasn't necessary, necessarily a have-to type of thing. So kudos to Kenner on that. My biggest beef is he's about the same size as Superman. Uh, put these two together and not counting Doomsday's ponytail, he is like a, a smidge higher. Once again, he's in a prone position as well. But these two display really well. They haven't really had any issues. So uh, Doomsday also has a fact file. The spikes on Doomsday's knuckles contain poison, making every low, every blow lethal. Doomsday's body can withstand the force of a million nuclear blasts. Superman's strongest punch can only knock Doomsday down. Doomsday's bony spikes are harder than steel, his head and shoulders can be used as razor-sharp battering rams, and Doomsday gets his energy from the sun. Without sunlight, Doomsday can hibernate for a thousand years. And then on the back, this comic is actually quite cool because it actually does have a test your knowledge. I'm going to throw this out here. Uh, first question: Superman can do things no an ordinary human can't because a he is a mutant, b he comes from another planet, c he gets the product he is the product of a genetic experience experiment. I will get it right soon, folks. Uh, that's b. Uh, two. What is Mother Box? Superman's spaceship? Doomsday's leader? An incredible living computer? Well, we just got that answer. Um, I'm not going to go through this whole thing, but you also have a Draw Superman, very much marketed towards kids, and on the back of this comic is an ad. Um, for both of Kenner's lines here because we have They Were Legends from the beginning. We have the Power Flight, Superman, Steel, and Superboy up front. Um, We have some of the Legends of Batman in the back which includes an Archer Batman, a Deluxe Batman that had this huge jet-type backpack that encompassed his whole top half, and then a Knight Batman in vacuum-metalized armor. Um, But very good, very good uh, because it actually says it has both Legends of Batman and Superman and the Man of Steel. They are really... Really good at promoting this. And I think these little uh, little bits in the back that draw Superman and Superman versus Doomsday and the Fact File really make this comic quite a bit more charming. Um, but just kind of a nice thing. Now the second two-pack here is what's known as Full Assault Superman, which I hate that name. But I also hate Hunter Prey Superman. Full Assault Superman. Um, looking at it, it's a battle damage Superman. Um, it's very much uh, reminiscent of the Power Flight Superman, kind of in the pose that we just saw Hunter prey Superman in, where he's prone position, ready to go, uh, but with a lot of rips in his costume, a lot of injuries. And he comes with Massacre. Yeah, Massacre. That's yet another odd villain choice, which for fans was cool, for adult fans. And I don't know how... I mean, clearly Tenor was or marketing these at the younger children. I don't understand kind of where their focus was completely, if they had... Fans of of the comics, the adult fans, like, um, what, this time I would have been 16, 17. Uh, Fans like myself and up in mind, or if they had strictly the children. But it does kind of serve as fans a little bit more than children, which was probably why the line didn't last. Um, But that figure also comes with a comic. Now, I don't have those two. Unfortunately, I do apologize for that. So I can't go full on on that. Uh, Good looking figure, I just wish they would just call it Battle Damage Superman. Now, those were in stores. Those were standards. They kind of fleshed out between uh, Wave 1 and Wave 2. Then we have this odd sequence of Cyberlink Superman and Cyberlink Batman, which is complicated. And I always get confused because we have the original... They they were a two-pack that obviously included Batman and Superman. They were just made strictly for the line initially. So they are original sculpts. Uh, they came in modified costumes that were quote unquote cyberlink, And I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but these were available through mail in, which was my understanding. Uh, they look great. The Batman figure stands above Superman, uh, in my opinion, because it's just a nice looking figure. And Superman, I think the Superman figure on this fails for me because he's a good looking sculpt. All in all, he has really cool gauntlets. Um, His costume has some red uh, highlights in there. He has a clear cape. But the main thing is he has this chest piece, like this chest harness. And that's where the symbol is. And they didn't recolor the symbol. So, when you look at it in one instance, you know, it's a red symbol on that. And here I see they actually did paint it gold. Now, I had the original version, which is the one that's here. And it did come with the original comic. And then they released it in a Walmart exclusive, uh, in which they recolored it. So, both characters had, um, like on the chest plate that I mentioned, it was vac metalized They recolored it. That one actually did come with the trading cards. And then there were they were available as individual figures, as a mail-away, when Total Justice came along shortly after this. Uh, then there were a set of uh, figures that were two-packs that were released strictly in Canada, um, which included uh, Crusader Batman, which is a standard Batman figure from the Batman, uh, Legends of Batman line and Power Flight Superman. Um, Nice thing I'm noticing here is they did include the proper accessories. For example, Crusader Batman actually did come with the missile firing gun. Superman did come with his superfluous chain. The trading cards don't seem to be included. Uh, Then we have some figures that are included in the second line that I'm about to talk about, which came with a future Batman and a Knight's End Batman. But since that brings us kind of conveniently to the second line, let me crack these bad boys out here. Uh, because they they did some interesting things with the second line. This is where Kenner started being Kenner. Because let me start with our first figure, which is Solar Suit Superman. That's right, you heard it, Solar Suit. Um, this figure has a predominantly gold figure. A gold paint scheme with some blue highlights. Um, once again, he kind of has this harness in it. Now he does have an interesting articulation feature. Uh, because mostly it's the shoulders and the legs. And then we have a backpack here that has... It's a winged backpack. He doesn't. This one does not come with a paint, uh, cape. He comes with this winged backpack that has these turbines on it. Uh, it has a quote-unquote firing missile in which the end sticks out and you just give it a little push. And it still doesn't pop. Oh, there it goes. Okay. Wonderful. You heard that live. I just kind of knocked my, my orange soda. Uh, the wings come off and they act as guns. And the only reason I knew that they they would come off to go in his hand was from the trading card. He also has this weird gas mask. This is a a strange figure for me because I shouldn't like it. There's no reason for me to like it. Oh, and before I get too far off, that weird articulation feature. Uh, We do have a neck that turns left and right. Um, Let me take off his little gas mask here. Uh, But within that, within the harness framework, uh, there's a red spot and you can actually pivot the head forward and backwards or something that's on a bit of a joint kind of cool I, I would have liked to have seen more of this now it doesn't it doesn't raise it enough for flying kind of like power flight Superman that's just limited enough to not make it good for flying and that's one thing that the scope does is limits limits the playability because you want Superman that flies and and you know is Superman uh, this is him in, a, in an odd suit. Let me read the trading card. And that's the trading card actually depicts him with those turbines in hand, missile firing. And that's when I realized, oh, I can take these off and put them in his hand. And I'm trying to think. I don't think that this backpack is molded into the figure, but I can't seem to take it off and I'm not going to force it. But as for the trading card, trying to keep my focus here because I am playing with toys and I get distracted by shiny objects. Uh, flying into deep space, Solar Suit Superman explores the stars with the help of a multifunctional spacesuit. It features a backpack-mounted drone covered with sensor plates that collect and store solar radiation plus crucial galactic information. The drone's robotic characteristics enable it to fire into into a deep space probe which gathers data from unexplored territories and when Superman comes under attack from alien beings, the probe is used as an energy neutralizer weapon and is turned against those hostile forces. This supreme space exploration suit also features an oxygen mask And multi-position wings that detach to form flight stabilizer extensions. Okay, so he's not using them as guns. I hadn't read the trading card till now, folks. That's my level of research into this. I figured I'd throw the toys on here. Let's talk about what I'm seeing. I've enjoyed it so far. I don't know how you were doing with it. But this was Kenner really creating something Um, out of nowhere. Not for the better. But yet I still find myself liking this figure. It's like, oh, that's cool. Normally I don't like variations, but uh, this one I kind of enjoy. I just wish they had gone maybe more exile, Uh, put uh, air canisters on his belt, um, a a detachable mask for him, maybe a wicked cool accessory, I don't know. But while I like (laughs) this variation for no apparent reason, I wish I could show my work, the next one, um, not so much. Not so much. The next one is Street Guardian Superman, which is from an Elseworlds. It's Elseworld style, which you know. Kudos to, the, to to Kenner for at least putting some justification into it. You know, we can at least say, "Hey, it's Elseworlds." This Superman um, goes all Lorenzo Lamas renegade on us. Long black trench coat. No, I'm not joking. Black leather pants. The the typical Superman blue on underneath the coat. And then he has this crew cut. He is an odd duck. Um, he comes with, I kid you not, a chain accessory. Which you can put in his right arm, which will spin around. So he's got chain spinning action. Once again with the chains. And then he has this odd, I guess it's supposed to be a shield. It clips on his arm like a shield, but it has a like a spike at the end of it. This is just a bizarre one, but let's let's look at the trading card and see if that fl- sheds any light. When gang warfare threatens to overtake the city of Metropolis, that's where Street Guardian Superman draws the line. Superman takes on any criminal unlucky enough to get in the way. Standing firm against evil from Metropolis organized crime syndicate to common street punks to the villainous mutants teeming underground, Street Guardian Superman swings his battle chain to clear a path of justice and take back the streets for law-abiding citizens. You know, this is the second wave. Is the last wave of regular figures. And if we were going to get more Street Guardian Supermans, I think I think the toy line kind of ended when it needed to. I still don't even understand this shield. It doesn't even explain it in there. Um. Now the one figure I don't have from this line yet, uh, with anything Superman. If I say I don't have it, just assume a yet is Ultra Shield Superman, uh, which is a totally armored Superman. Um, from It's silver armor. Um, it does have a helmet and looks like yet another backpack that fires a missile. Um, yet again, an, an, another unnecessary figure. Um, there are a lot of variations you could do with Superman, and, I, and at this time I'll give them a little bit of leeway. We didn't have the electric Superman. We didn't... Uh, We didn't have some of the variations. Um, But we, you know, I would have liked to have seen this line do something, you know, let's try a Fleischer cartoon style. Um, And you can slap a different backpack on there, a different accessory, because most of the time I wasn't buying, people like myself weren't buying for the accessories, we were buying for the figure. And so, I mean, there was a lot they could have done. I just don't think they had the right creativity. But, now I can't say that to say this. The next figure is probably... The most impressive of the line. It is Lex Luthor himself. Now this was very short-packed in this line. There were all of two per case. And Kenner really kind of shot themselves in the foot with this. Because they were trying to release... And, and kudos to them for this. They were trying to release re-release some of the figures from the first wave. Keep those in circulation. So cases would be crowded with more Power Flight Superman and things like that. So Luthor had all of two to a case. Now, let me take off the accessory here. Luthor himself is one of the best sculpts in the series. His facial sculpt is fantastic. Um, He's in that contrapposto lean, kind of like the two-packs. And so was Street Guardian Superman. Um, He is wearing these green khakis, uh, combat boots, a black t-shirt, and a nice tan vest with a glove on the left hand, which I like that detail. Now, at the time that this came out... Luthor himself hadn't fully been restored to the comics, I don't believe. Now, Luthor has this really nice, nice action feature, or accessory, I'm sorry, in that he has this backpack that not only has these blades that go into a hand, or fit, fit on the back, and shoots water for this little plunger at the bottom, once you remove it from the Luthor figure himself, the backpack, along with those blades, can be put together to form this hornet type of robotic hornet which in itself is really cool and you know on top of being able to assemble with the Luthor so I mean this is one of the the better figures and I think if they were looking at the Luthor style figure the Man of Steel line had a lot of really cool future had a really cool future potential future ahead of it if they're looking at the Street Guardian not so much Uh, but uh, the card itself shows Luthor flying around with his backpack And it reads, Superman's archenemy, multi-millionaire industrialist Lex Luthor, has made his ultimate goal to destroy the Man of Steel. To this end, he created a devious attack drone that does double duty. Designed to replicate a terrifying hornet, the drone acts as Luthor's jetpack, allowing him to virtually unlimited flight capabilities while providing armored protection. But its most dangerous feature is the drone's ability to store and shoot deadly kryptonite acid on, on demand, whether on the back of his If, sorry, whether on the back of its devious inventor or operating on its own, the Hornet drone is a threat Superman cannot afford to take lightly. And this has, once again, I mean, if you're looking at it from the kid's point of view, this has a great playability because you have this neat little Hornet, um, this backpack and it really is a pretty decent sculpt. It's a very good amalgam of being a backpack and a Hornet itself. It's kind of cool to behold. And the Luthor figure, I mean, he's not in his power armor, superpower style. Um, so you do kind of get a little bit of the of the Luthor we would know from the, the post-crisis um, without completely going all superpowers on it. Um, so it's a nice middle of the road. And I think they really kind of nailed it on the head with this figure. And it had, uh, you can actually put the helmet on there. So wonderful figure. I'm going to stop playing with that. And we are going to jump to Vehicles. Vehicles. Woohoo! um starting with this one here the superboy vtol cycle yes the vtol cycle vertical takeoff and landing cycle now admittedly it's kind of dumb to give a character that can fly um a motorcycle but we're also talking with about a company that gave uh, gave us a figure of the flash on a motorcycle because we all know that flash is faster than a cycle Um, this actually came with its own gas mask that you could affix to Superboy's face. Actually, a very cool toy, if if unnecessary. Um, it has this capture claw that attaches to the left, or to the right side, shoots a missile, which you can supposedly retract, but that's not true, so that's going to be a mess to clean up. There we go. Um, very cool looking sculpt, um, harness that puts the figure in there, uh, puts the figure in its seat the handles pivot a little so you can actually position it for the figure so they were thinking of playability here and then i mean just a sleek looking cycle if you get a chance google this Um, it's black and yellow and i'm sure i'm almost positive this was reused because kenner was not one to waste as we're going to see with one of the next vehicles but kenner would reuse things from other lines repurpose them and really successfully, to be honest with you. Um, for example, the, the Dark Knight collection that I mentioned had a character... Had a figure called Tech Shield Batman. Which has, was Batman in his gold, in some gold armor that came with this backpack. The backpack was quite cool because when you pulled the thruster down at the bottom of the pack... Wings would pop out. Not only that, but they would actually extend. There would be little internal wings. So it would pop out and extend. Very cool effect. Uh, one of my favorite uh, action features of that line... But I would find out later that Kenner, who made the Silverhawks line based on the cartoon, had repurposed that from that line because they had figures that there was a wave of Silverhawks figures that weren't released that included some odd character choices. One of those character choices was Condor. Um, Condor actually had this backpack. Um, Now, they would find these in a warehouse since they had been produced, they released them directly to KB Toys, which is how I actually found that out. I started looking at Condor's backpack. And I'm like, I, I know this, um, but once again, they did it successfully. So I'm pretty sure that this has been reused somewhere. Uh, very cool Tron-like bike. Now the action feature. Um, it does on top of having this nice sort of kickstand for display. So very good on very good on you for that, Kenner. The front here, the front uh, wheel cover would pivot forward to cover the wheel completely. The back wheel which you would not know this would do this. It's actually quite... Oh, there we go. Yep, that was live. You heard that. I'm not editing that out either. The back wheel would actually split right down the middle and then pivot. So both halves are actually facing the ground, which is where the vertical takeoff came from. It's, it's, it's stretching. It's stretching. And so I usually display it with Superboy on it. Um, very good-looking cycle. Um, very nice. And then I'm going to jump here to the one of the big two. This is the Matrix Conversion Coupe. Now, the Matrix Conversion Coupe is a car. It's a very sleek looking car, very rounded. Um, very big cockpit with this that opens from the front. A very nice dome here. Um, it came with an exclusive Clark Kent figure, which, here we go, if you come out, is actually pretty. Okay. Once again, not the greatest head sculpt, but they do go to the detail of making sure that he's in a his hair is in a ponytail. He's wearing these khakis, apparently a black dress-up shirt, and a bluish leather jacket. But hey, it's a Clark Kent figure. It came free with the car. What are you complaining about? The car itself was once the once again repurposed. Um, It was repurposed. It was originally this version was. Originally, this was released as part of the Dark Knight collection, or pardon me, under Batman Returns, as the Bruce Wayne custom coupe, custom turbo coupe. Um, And like that, it has this mechanism where you can place a figure in here. There are two seats you can place the figure in. There's a front one and another one. Um, By pulling the spoiler back or pushing it forward, that front seat will disappear under the hood. And you can put you know, a Clark Kent figure in here. You do this pullback action on the spoiler. A, wings pop out on the side. We get the Superman symbols. And B, the, the figure quote-unquote transforms. Um, this, this, this has been used in not only the, the Batman Returns line. It was used in the Batman the Animated Series line. Um, it was used in, once again here, it would be repurposed again for the Superman the Animated Series line. And that one also came with the Clark Kent figure um actually kind of impressive um very sleek looking the thing is the internal mechanisms weren't entirely repurposed i think this was a repurpose of a concept but the sculpt is different when you look at the the turbo coupe the turbo coupe has a a canopy a, a plastic canopy that's more in the shape of batman's head it's more arched it's more uh, sharp angles where this is more arched and smooth um also with the the Custom Coupe, it would actually fold down on the sides when you pulled that back. And that's where the missile launchers were, where with this, wings pop out. Because yet again, we get another flying car in the line. Oh, and I got a scratch on there. Um, now, the back spoiler itself actually acts as a missile launcher. If you you have these three hubcaps, three, not four, hubcaps with the S-shield, which drives me crazy. Uh, but you can actually place it in here, in the spoiler, and by squeezing two things, it shoots that disc, and I just hit my mini mate Daredevil. That's kind of awesome. Uh, I'm glad that stuck to the tape, but when not using those, they do stick to the side as hubcaps. So kind of a natural extension, made perfect sense to put this figure out there. It's a nice way to get a Clark Kent figure into the line. And one of, really kind of a kind of a big fan of this. I did get to see a prototype of this at the museum in Metropolis, which I really liked. And the last. Actual vehicle was the Kryptonian battlesuit, which I don't have yet. Um, gorgeous! You could actually put a figure in it. Um, the sculpting wasn't exactly as you would see it in the comics, but it 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 didn't leave much. I'll say that. You could definitely look at it, and go, "Oh, that's a Kryptonian battlesuit." I don't remember seeing this repurposed, but it wouldn't shock me. Uh, but it looks like we have a cannon on the on the shoulder there. Uh, looks like some capture claws and a piece of kryptonite. Um, gosh, I want this bad. I know Michael Bailey has one. I should have should have asked him <laughs> should ask him how that works out for him. Uh, he speaks very highly of it. so just something I haven't settled on to um, because I, for whatever reason, I haven't been tracking this down. But alas, the line died, sort of. Um, we had those two waves of basic figures. Now, they had other stuff in development. And some of it was released, some of it wasn't. Um, one big thing was the Ultimate Superman, which was a, I believe it's a 12-inch figure of the long-haired Superman, kind of looking off to the left. Eh, I don't have that yet. Uh, I've never seen it priced correctly. Uh, because it, it's not it's not excessively rare. and But it was rare. But a lot of dealers will price it out of what I'm willing to pay, uh, then we had two deluxe figures that were actually released after the line's cancellation was announced. One was Blast Hammer Steel, which I don't have, um, which is a really good rendition of Steel. It takes away the S shield, so it appear it's more like he would he was what he was wearing in his own book at the time. Uh, but he comes with a pair of hammers, and this one, the gauntlet, is on the right hand side. It is actually a launcher, so you put these hammers in and you fire them. Which I think is brilliant. That one also comes with the trading card that I don't have. And then we have Ultra Heat Vision Superman. I'm not. A, I'm not. I'm not a fan. Uh, this is Superman in this once again vac metalized uh, costume. Um, he has this weird Cyclops goggle on. Comes with a backpack, and it looks like his his eyes light up. So he's basically a Cyclops figure with with a Superman symbol. Very good. Um, But, once again, things that were in the works that have oddly been released. I can see here, I mean, there were, Kenner had a showroom at one point. It looks like there was a Superman playset where you had a cape and a chest plate. Um, I see most of the stuff that was released, a stuffed Superman. Um, one char- Some of the characters they had in the works were the Eradicator, or the Kryptonian, uh, Metallo, Street Guardian Superboy, dodged a bullet, and then uh, a diff- another Superboy King Shark 2-Pack as well as a Cloning Lab playset and Metropolis Bank playset. I don't know much about the Cloning Lab or Metropolis Bank. We don't see that. But the Kryptonian, to say it was unreleased, is inaccurate because I have it right here. Wizard Magazine would find some of these instances where it was an unproduced figure, or one that was maybe planned on an abandoned line, and they'd release it as exclusive. This is actually a great figure. Um, once again, we get the, the limited, limited articulation but we get this really good cape piece that does exactly what it should, which it comes over the character's chest, and we t- still have the the two pins in the back. Um, but removing that, this is a character that was. It looks like his arms were sculpted in clear pink plastic, and then painted over. But you get this energy blast effect. Um, there's a section in the middle of this figure that is diamond shaped that doesn't have the symbol. Without the cape, light will pass through it, so you kind of get this the beam quality, and I. I really dig that. Um, Metallo was also released, along with Superboy and King Shark. uh, Hasbro apparently picked it up. Oh, there goes the Eradicator. Uh, Hasbro apparently picked up the the ability to release this. Metallo is this bulky... It's not a great Metallo. If you want a really great Metallo, there was a series of DC Universe classics that the Build-A-Figure was a, a fantastic Metallo, and that series was really one of the banes of my existence for a while because it hit shelves and left shelves so fast that practically no one got it except for people selling it on the back market on ebay and they would just jack the price up Um, but mattel was considerate enough to re-release it directly through their website and give everybody another chance so i was able to get not only my eradicator figure which is comic accurate from dc universe classics but my metallo um, This Metallo is kind of hunched at the shoulders. Looks like he has a glowing kryptonite heart of some kind. So probably has the, the clear plastic kind of like we just saw with the Eradicator, the Kryptonian. Um, Looks like a more firing missiles. I don't have that one yet. I need to track that down. I need to complete the collection. Street Guardian Superboy never saw the light of day, which is good. Judging by the looks of it, he's wearing jeans and a, his standard Superman suit. Uh, he has big 80s warrior style shoulder pads. Dodged a the bullet there. Um, the Superboy King Shark actually not bad. Um, Superboy's in a wetsuit, which if you're going to do variations, um, that's fine. He's wearing a pair of looks like his his heat vision emulating goggles. Uh, King Shark is King Shark. Uh, he, I mean, it is what it is. It's a, not a bad not a bad sculpt. But Superboy also comes with a flying surfboard, which is kind of fun. Uh, this was also released through Hasbro. The Metallo figure was released with kind of a short haired version of the full assault Superman. So, be on the lookout for that. But the, the, the almost all of the line that was conceived, with the exception of Street Guardian, Superboy, and some of the larger play sets, got released in, in eventually. Um, now, what is this line's contribution to history? Not much, to be honest. Um, it came, it went. Uh, it's not the most memorable line. Uh, most of the time when you hear Superman figures... Um, people talk about you know the Superman Batman line from d c direct. Right. They talk about superpowers um, but this line was what it was um it split the difference, I think, and i don't know what their intent was if it was aiming directly at the little kids uh, for playability or if it was kind of splitting the difference you know between the kids and the adult Superman or adult collectors so for me. It's not a line outside of say the for historical accuracy. It's not a line that really just I sought out really hardcore. I happen to come across a good lot, um, very good lot to be honest, because almost all my figures came in one fell swoop from this wonderful buy on eBay that included the Matrix Coupe and the and the motorcycle. Um, but I've never made it a point to go out of my way to track this down because the figures. I mean, while I like Power Flight Superman, I think the Luthor figure is wonderful. Really, when I look at it, it comes from a time when Superman was kind of floundering after the death, um, trying to find the voice, trying to figure out what the status quo was. Um, it came from a time also, personally, that was I was kind of out of the equation as far as collecting. I, As I mentioned, I picked up Laser Superman and Superboy, uh, but I wasn't pursuing it full time. I'd gotten... I was while I was about to graduate high school. I was going through some neat things at the time, so it's not a line that had it's indelible mark on me personally. It's not one that people turn to very often when you when you talk about quality figures. You want that you go to superpowers, um, but you know I think it does have have that place in history, simply that small place in history, because it was the first dedicated line to Superman. And that meant a lot. Because, hey, as a Superman fan, there are Superman figures out. How can I not like that? I just wish I had been in a better position at the time to appreciate it. Because I don't know if or when we're going to get a straight superpower, or Superman action figure line ever again. But that's kind of an overview. I wanted to kind of point these out. because Simply because of that, that spot in history where it is the dedicated line. Uh, just not a memorable line. Uh, but... I am going to take a break. I'm going to play a promo here, and when I come back, we're going to take a look at an episode of Superman, the animated series, to pick up that cliffhanger I left off at last episode. So stay with me.
0: Do you enjoy time travel in general, and the Silver Age of comic books in particular? If so, join me each week on the Superman Fan Podcast... My name is Billy Hogan, and I will be your host. Together, we'll crash through the time barrier and fly into the past to explore the Silver Age adventures of Superman. One week, we will take a look at the Superman family of titles, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, World's Finest Comics, and soon, Superman's girlfriend, Lois Lane. And your emails are always welcome at Superman Fan Podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to wear your red indestructible cape.
1: On May 30th, 2011, DC Comics announced the historic renumbering of all their superhero titles, and the internet broke in half. No. No. It's not true. That's impossible! Critics and naysayers abounded. Confusion reigned across fandom. What'll I do? What'll I do? What an unusual view! Not to mention the first reactions to the Supergirl costume.
2: I hated her... So much, it, it, the, it, flame, flames, flames on the side of my face, breathing, breath, heaving breaths,
1: heaving. But then the books actually hit, and opinions...
0: He likes it! He likes it!
1: Opinions began to change. The New 52 Adventures of Superman is a monthly podcast where John Wilson, J. David Weider, and Michael Kaiser take a look at each of the adventures of Superman and his family of characters in Action Comics. You know the deal, Metropolis. Treat people right, or expect a visit from me.
0: The Superman who appeared six months ago could hurdle skyscrapers and toss trucks around. Now it's faster, now it's stronger. How soon before it can't be stopped?
1: Superboy. If resolving a situation for him is going to get me out from under these people once and for all, that's a small price to pay for freedom. Release the Superboy. Supergirl.
0: Okay. Giant metal creatures. Falling from the sky. Speaking in clicks and beeps. Father would love this dream.
1: And Superman. You could do so much good. We could do so much good. I am doing good, Lois. Clark's such a loner, never really lets anyone get close to him. The New 52 Adventures of Superman. Available the first of every month on iTunes and at new 52 supermanlibsencom
2: And it's that time again. Time to look at another episode of Superman the Animated Series. This time it's the second half of that two-parter I left you with back in September, Blast from the Past Part 2, which apparently uh, aired originally on September 9th, 1997. Uh, once again, written by Robert Goodman, directed by Dan Reba, with Tim Daly as Superman Clark Kent, Dana Delaney as Lois Lane, George Zunza as Perry White, Victor Brandt as Professor Professor Hamilton. Corey Burton as Brainiac, Ron Perlman as Jack Surer, Leslie Easterbrook as Mala, and Ron Glass making a cameo as a news anchor man. When we left off last week, Superman had discovered, or last time, Superman had discovered the Phantom Zone and a prisoner named Mala who he freed. Mala became a little too power hungry and Superman considered sending her back to the Phantom Zone, but Mala instead attacked Superman and released Jack Surr, a Kryptonian tyrant. And the episode picks up in the Arctic, where Superman introduces Professor Hamilton to the Fortress of Solitude, a name that Hamilton himself gives to Superman's secret hideaway. Superman shows Hamilton the communication orb from his ship and asks Brainiac how to show them how to build a Phantom Zone projector. Meanwhile, Jaxer and Mala walk the streets of Metropolis, sizing up the planet, while Jaxer allows his power levels to rise in the yellow sun. A bike messenger insults Jack Sir and Mala and is accosted for his trouble. The crowds, seeing the rogue Kryptonians, flee in terror as Mala begins exhibiting her strength on the surroundings. Back at the Daily Planet, Lois rushes out to cover the story, filling Clark in as she leaves. Mala has taken a mail truck hostage and is flying through the air when its occupant falls out, plummeting to the ground only to be saved by Superman, who then engages Mala in battle within the empty mail truck. As the truck hits the street, a weakened Superman staggers out and is double-teamed by both Mala and Jack Sur. Mala attempts to crush Superman's skull, but a quick shot of heat vision sends a stoplight to his rescue, and Superman captures Jack Sur. Mala rushes to defend her general, resulting in a long fight on the streets of Metropolis and in the air over Metropolis. Lois arrives at the scene of battle, cheering on the Man of Steel, but Mala notices her and distracts Superman by sending a group of balconies falling down on her. Of course, Superman rescues Lois, but at the cost of losing Jaxer and Mala. So Superman returns to Star Labs, where they test Hamilton's Phantom Zone projector on a plant, but it kills it because they don't have the crystal that vibrates at the Phantom Zone's frequency. Back at the Daily Planet, Perry White is telling his reporters that they should know where Jaxer and Mala are when Jaxer and Mala, well... They show up Superman 2 style and kidnap Lois, assaulting Perry in the process, leaving the message that they are at Mala's cabin. Superman does arrive at the cabin wearing a kryptonite-proof suit and weakens Mala with the green K. While hunting for Jaxer, the villain gets the drop on Superman and uses the projector to seal him and the kryptonite in the Phantom Zone. Jaxer lets Lois live to tell the world that Superman is gone forever and destroys the Phantom Zone projector. Jaxer and Mala are causing devastation all over the world. Meanwhile, Lois has been called to Star Labs by Hamilton, who tells Lois that his kryptonite suit has a traceable radioactive substance. Hamilton uses this to find Superman and pull him out of the zone. He immediately asks what they did with the other projector, and back at the cabin finds a shard of crystal from the projector. Meanwhile, the United Nations is about to turn the planet over to Jackser and Mala when Superman arrives to stop the ceremony resulting in another fight between both Jaxer and Mala. Superman is eventually thrown on a bridge where he uses the spilled fuel of a nearby tanker truck to make an explosion, giving him a chance to fly away with Jaxer and Mala following. Superman leads them to the Daily Planet building, where Hamilton and Lois are able to use the newly built Phantom Zone projector to put the two despots back where they belong. In the end, Superman returns to his fortress and thinks about being the only Kryptonian and decides that maybe it's better if they keep it that way. And the credits roll. So, let's jump back to the beginning. I I feel like we skipped a beat in the narrative when the episode opens up. Because we jumped from the end of last episode, with Mala simply missing what looks to be a short distance away to here, with Superman flying Hamilton to the Arctic to build a new Phantom Zone Projector. Why didn't he simply pursue Mala and use the original? I know that would have cut the episode short, but, well, it could, maybe could have been what episode, I don't know. It really feels like we've missed something, because why did Superman not actively look for Mala? He's very passive, because suddenly Clark is in Metropolis right after that at the Daily Planet, and wait, did I miss a piece of exposition? If there is a rogue Kryptonian out there, why is Superman punching the clock at the planet? Because, I mean, he can even use the excuse that Clark Kent is tracking down leads for the story itself. That's why he became a reporter, so he could have this sort of flexibility and justification. But, when Superman finds Mala, and the throwdown begins, a large bit of it occurs within that mail truck. Which is, I I mean, my assumption is, it's a way of getting around the standards and practices. um, Because you can imply more violence than you can show. Uh, But then the rest of the fight is harsh. I'm surprised it's even in there because standards and practices are notably, notably down on violence against women from a man onto a woman. And we're looking at freaking Superman fighting a woman. But maybe they thought the way I did. She's Kryptonian. She's Kryptonian. She can take a little bit of punishment. And last time we talked a bit about Mala. So this week... Uh, with this opportunity, I want to, I want to talk about Jack Sur. Uh Jack Sur made his first appearance in Adventure Comics 289, where he escaped the Phantom Zone and battled Superboy. Jack Sur was bald, a bit out of shape, um, and was in the zone because he tried to obliterate cities. He was no General Zod. In fact, Jack Sur was almost a subordinate of Zod because they hung around and plotted against Superman within the Phantom Zone itself. Now, here we basically have General Zod using the name Jexer, which is played by Ron Perlman. If you don't know who Ron Perlman is, I can't rob you of his awesomeness. Ron Perlman has been acting since 1979, getting his most high-profile gig, uh, that his first big high profile gig, on the late 80s TV show Beauty and the Beast, playing Vincent, a lion-human hybrid, against uh, Linda, Linda Hamilton. So, good show, oddly enough. Uh, he's been involved with many comic-related projects, such as being the voice of Conan, the voice of Clayface. Uh, he also had appearances in Blade 2 and, well, he was the title character of Hellboy. Now here, Jaxer really doesn't make the best use of Permon's deep, threatening voice. In fact, Jaxer is very underused overall for being the big bad. Because he never comes off as the true threat to Superman that he could be, which is a shame. Because it would have been really cool to see Superman and just throw down, mano a mano, and just let loose. Rather than rehash Superman versus Mala. In fact, another repetitious scenario is Lois getting snatched up by Mala. Because really, at this point, Lois is becoming a liability. Just a kidnap-prone target. And of course, we have the Superman 2 homage. With Jaxer and Mala arriving at the Daily Planet and Superman leading them away to protect the public. I just feel like I, I, I wish I'd heard... Would you care to step outside as a line? Um, now, it is a repeat in a way, but it wasn't overdone. It didn't feel like Superman 2 was getting a rehash in animated form. Um, now, I, I, uh, I mentioned Lois being a liability. I do like the banter between Lois and Mala more here than what we would see between Lois and Ursa in Superman 2. In fact, the entire resolution is more satisfying than Superman 2 because the destruction of the Phantom Zone projector raised the stakes for a bit. And we had no cellophane S-shield and no memory-erasing kiss. Bonus. Uh, But it doesn't deliver on the promise of the bombastic first part. And I really have to give this about three S-shields out of five. Uh, But that's that. And this is the end of another episode of Superman Forever Radio. Until next time, I'm J. David Weeder saying keep on fighting for truth and justice forever. This has been Superman Forever Radio, a Nat World production. You can find the show on iTunes with backlogs of episodes where you can also leave a review. The show finds its home at supermanforever.com and is a very proud member of the Superman Podcast Network, which you can find at supermanpodcastnetwork.com. You can friend the show on Facebook at, at facebook.com slash Radio, and email the show at mail at supermanforever.com The show is also on Tumblr at supermanforeverradio.tumblr.com. David can be found on Twitter at twitter.com slash superdaveweeder. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not gain profit from the images or related properties belonging to DC Comics or Warner Brothers Entertainment. Superman and all related characters, the distinctive likenesses thereof, are all properties of Warner Brothers Entertainment and DC Entertainment. All music and sound clips used on the show are copyright their respective owners, and no infringement is intended. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster.